this week, some folks were asked this question. What do you wonder? What do you wonder? Someone ask you that right now. What do you wonder? The first response was usually the grunt, the, <laughs> oh, that's a good question. And then came the real answers. I wonder about the future a lot. I wonder if I'm choosing the right pathway in terms of how I'm living my life. A nine-year-old said, I wonder a lot of stuff, like what's really out there in the universe? I wonder how long I'm going to have on this earth and if I will actually accomplish my purpose. I wonder why people complain all the time. I wonder where I'm going to be in five years or ten years. I wonder, I wonder if I'll ever have grandchildren. What? That's what I wonder about. That's what she said. <laughs> Holding a little baby, a dad said, I wonder if my kids will have a good life. I wonder how we got here. What is it that you wonder? It's a real gift to be able to wonder, right? It's a gift, a unique ability, this capacity to wonder. I would tell you that it's a gift given to us by God. Our wonder is given to us by God. What is it that you wonder? Sometimes our wonder leads us to fear. Sometimes joy. And sometimes it leads to more wondering more questions. What is it that you wonder about? Can we pray really quick? God, for the wonderings in this room, for the things that capture our brains and our hearts, for the dreams that we wonder about, for the fears that we wonder about, for the joy that we wonder about, we lift them all up to you this morning. Help the wondering and the wandering to make sense this morning and bring us home to you. Amen. Amen. We wonder as humans because sometimes our frame of reference can no longer handle what it's always handled. So just like this window, right? It frames in the window. Our brains are much like this. We have a frame of reference. Okay, we have, a, we have things that we have in our brain, experiences, and we have a frame in which we reference things. We wonder because our, our, our experiences in life don't always fit within this frame of our reference. Here's an example. Last year, my kids got out of school for Hurricane Ian, and they, had, they were five, four and five at the time, and my kids had zero idea what a hurricane was. And so um, they're like, why are we missing school? We don't understand why we're out of school. The sun is shining outside. And we're like, well, we're getting ready for a hurricane. What are these sandbags about? Like, why are, you, why are you filling up sandbags? Why are we preparing to sleep at Grammy and Grandpa's house? Why are you buying batteries that are not going into our toys, right? They had no frame of reference 
for what you do to prepare for a hurricane. They have no idea what a hurricane is. I wonder what a hurricane is like, they wondered. And I used their frame of reference to help them. It's like a thunderstorm, but more serious. And they were like, okay, we kind of get that. So this year, during the first summer thunderstorm that we had, Emma, our five-year-old, says, oh, yeah, it's hurricane season. We're just driving through a hurricane. We're like, no, it's just a thunderstorm. But, you know, we have things that are in our frame of reference. A hundred years ago in science, there was this very, like, held-on-to theory. It was called the steady-state theory. Does anybody know what this is? No, because it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, (laughs) Nothing is steady. Um, No, um, it basically says that the world um, always was. What, What we see around us, the matter, the chemicals, the things that are here, it always was and it always will be. There was, there's something about this that's always been steady and constant um, and and it's just always going to be steadily present. That's like my best way as a pastor to describe this to you. Well, there were some questions about this theory because it's never been proven that, that something didn't have a beginning point or an ending point in science. Everything that had ever been observed had a beginning point and an ending point, right? So this would mean... This, y'all just go with me for just a minute. I promise it's going to make sense in a minute. So if... Uh, the steady state of the steady state theory is correct. That would mean that infinity is an actual possibility, not just this like it, like actually could happen, not just the potential that infinity like going on and on and on and on forever could happen. So they were like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. So in 1929, a guy named Edwin Hubble does this name sound familiar? Did anybody know what he did? The Hubble telescope, right? So he makes a telescope, it looks far out into space, and he recognizes that all of these other galaxies in the universe are like speeding away at a very incredible, like at these astronomical, I'm full of jokes today, y'all, these astronomical speed, they're like going out. What if, they wondered, what if at some point all of these things started at a singular point and are now speeding away? Steady state theory is suddenly like uh, in question because this discovery of being able to see beyond our normal frame of reference changed everything. Suddenly things no longer fit in the framework and the wondering had to happen outside of our frame of reference. They had to begin to wonder outside of the frame of reference. Erica Little, that's, what, that's who I was before I was married in eighth grade. I believed in God. I believed God loved me. I went to church. And then one day in November, my mom had a test at a doctor's office, and she had stage three cancer. It changed my frame of reference for looking at the world. I began to wonder about life beyond my frame of reference. Things felt like they were speeding away out of control, and I began to wonder about God and about life. Chris Allen, the same thing happened to him in ninth grade. A diagnosis for his mom changed his frame of reference, and he began to wonder about life outside of that. 
In 10th grade, the attacks of September 11th, 2001 in New York City changed my frame of reference. Never had I thought an act like that could have occurred on U.S. soil. Anybody remember that moment? And you remember wandering outside of your frame of reference. We'd never experienced something like that in our lives. And we began to wonder what we had began to change forever. As a 21-year-old, my faith, the faith that I had grew up with and clung to so hard in my life, no longer fit in this simple framework anymore. And I began to wonder about God beyond that frame of reference. And you know who met me there? You know who meets us every time we go beyond the frame of the reference? The same God who is the alpha, the very beginning and the very end. The same God who, who is in control of those, those galaxies speeding away at astronomical speeds. You know who met me outside of that frame of reference? When, I, when my mom had that cancer diagnosis, God was there. He was with me. You know who met Chris? In a, in a youth room at Hyde Park United Methodist Church just down the road, that same God who is, the, who is the God of the beginning and the end, the God who is in charge of everything when it is speeding out of control and it feels like things are moving away at a fast rate of speed. You know who met the people of, of the United States and all over the world when we were scared to, get to death? Uh, you know, it was the bit most attended Sunday in the history of the United States up to that point, September 11, 2001. God was with us. When things exist beyond our frame of reference, God meets us there every single time. As a 26-year-old called to ministry and had no idea what that actually meant, my frame of reference for church fit into a very simple framework, and I was assigned an internship at a church inside a women's prison and the frame of reference that I had for a church, you know, this brick building with a piano and a choir, right? That began to fall apart for me. And I began to wonder and see and look at church differently. More about that later. In the Bible, these experiences where something exists beyond our frame of reference and causes us to start to wonder is a moment where God intervenes in ways that changes our lives. This is often called an apocalypse. Has anybody ever heard of this word? Apocalypse. It's when something major, like super major happens and it changes your frame of reference. An apocalypse is what happens when someone is exposed to the transcendent reality of God and it changes our perspective. It's a confrontation with God so intense that it transforms how we view everything. Anybody here had an apocalyptic moment in your life? Anybody here desperate for an apocalyptic moment in your life, ready for your experience of God to change everything the way you look at the, at the world? I'm telling you, we serve a God who is at the beginning and the end, a God who is always always, always inside the frame of reference and outside of it. So what happens? What happens for those of us who feel like things are running to the edges and we want some place to call home? What does God offer to us this morning? If you feel like your life is, 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 is speeding this way, what is it that God offers to us? We are starting a new message series this morning. It's called 
the donut effect. Um, what, ha- what, what happens in the center of a donut? It like loses the, like it's hollowed out, right? And the, the good part of the donut is like out in the, in the edges. So what happens when our lives are out in the edges? What is it when, what, what happens? This looks like a good sweet treat, but when it has a hole in the middle, right? Some of us feel like that. Like we've made it look really good to the world around us. We've got some strawberry icing and some beautiful sprinkles, right? We've made this life that is moving to the edges at a rate that is too fast for us to handle anymore. We've made it look good, but we are hollowed out on the inside and we are tired and exhausted and we want something to matter in the middle, right? We want something to cling to and hold on to. So there is a man named Jude. He wrote one whole chapter in the Bible. One whole chapter. Poor dude's probably up in heaven like everybody else gets 35 chapters and I've got one. 26, 25, not even 26, 25 verses. It's the next to last book in the Bible. So right before Revelation, you're going to find Jude. It is a book called Apocalyptic. I'm sorry, I'm going to be using some big words. I'm like... Steady state theory and apocalypse, like what is she doing this morning? I promise it's all going to make sense, okay? Apocalyptic eschatology is what this is called. So apocalypse is they've had some kind, Jude had some kind of encounter with God that completely changed the way that he experienced God and everything about him. And he had to tell people who follow Jesus about this experience. He had to tell them what it was he was learning and what he was experiencing in this. Eschatology is our our understanding or our belief of what happens in the end. So, right, like, we... Do you hear this theme like we don't always know where things begin or end, but we feel like they have a beginning and an ending, and we don't always know what that is, and the donut is a circle that keeps on going. Like, how do we make sense of this world? It's beyond our frame of reference, and we wonder, right? I wonder how I can begin to make sense of my life and this world anymore. So Jude writes the folks, um, he, he writes this letter to him. He says... Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, he was a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, to those who have been called. So he's writing this letter to you too. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. If you feel like your life is speeding as fast as as those galaxies running away, you are kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy. Peace. And love be yours in abundance. He had this encounter with God and before he gets anywhere else, he wants to remind him of the abundance of God's mercy, of God's peace, and God's love. He says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I was really excited to write to you about all these theological points that we believe. But I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith. To get back to this frame of reference that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals who condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, and our only sovereign 
and Lord. Do y'all hear this? Jude is saying, it feels like things in this church are going to the edges and we've lost the center. We've lost our purpose. We've lost our ideas. So this isn't just written to a church. This is written to people who feel like their lives are running as far as they can to the outside. He says, I have a word for you. You already know this, he says. I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt. Some of you might not know this happened. Thousands of years before this was written, there were people who lived in Egypt. They were slaves. They were building all kinds of things for the Egyptian people. They were being treated terrible. They were miserable. And they they did not enjoy what they were doing. And Moses heard the cry. God called Moses, a little baby who was rescued out of a river and cared for in Pharaoh's house, the king's house, this guy had everything he ever wanted in front of him. Like, you want to talk about eating out of a silver spoon? That was Moses' life. And he hears, God, God helps him to hear the cry of people who are hurting, whose lives are hollowed out because of the oppression and pain that they experience every single day of their lives. And God called Moses as a leader in front of them, and he says, lead these people out of slavery, out of a world and a culture that convinces them they are less than, out of a world and a culture that works them to the bone, out of a world and culture that is hollowing their souls out. Lead them out, Moses. And Moses looks at God and he says, I, I'm not your guy, God. I can't speak well. I, 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 the, I'm not your guy. And he looks at God. God looks at Moses and he says, I am Moses. I am good enough to get these people from slavery and bondage and oppression. I am the God who can deliver them somewhere else. I'm just asking you to put one foot in front of the other. And Moses, shaking with a staff in his hand, follows God step by step by step to deliver people who were hollowed out whose lives were were rushing to the edge of their lives, God uses Moses to deliver them. This is our story, Jude says. When you don't know what to believe anymore, when everything feels like it is rushing to the edge, I want you to remember, Jude says, God spoke this to me. I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt. He delivered them out of lives that hollowed them out. But... He later destroyed those who did not believe. Those who didn't believe there was another way of living, they eventually, I would say, destroyed themselves. And the angels who didn't keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day. Now, I need to tell you something. When you have an apocalyptic experience... Some experience with God that transcends everything that you've believed and changes your frame of reference. There are things that you're going to say that people are like, oh, that's a little weird. That's a little weird. This is Jude being a little weird, okay? Um, <laughs> in a similar way, but it, it, it's real, right? He, he is passionate about this. I understand it's a little weird, 
But this is an important piece to share with you so you understand this experience I had with God that has changed everything. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah, which was this really terrible place that was doing nothing God asked them to, and they were destroyed. The surrounding towns, they gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve and as, as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. They show you what it's like to live out a hollowed life. It isn't worth it. That's what Jude is saying. So I, he's telling them, get back to the center. You've got to have some kind of center. So I'm going to tell you what he says to them. In chapter 1, verse 20, he says, But you, but you, you're different than Sodom and Gomorrah. You're different than Egypt. You are different than all of those things. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Did you hear that? When everything is speeding away, what are you supposed to do? Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Yell at them. Nope. Be merciful to those who, who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear. Know, know your audience and tell them what they need to hear so they are snatched from a hollowed out Life. That's what God tells us to do. If this morning you are having a really hard time getting back to the center... <sighs> okay. If... Yes. Thank you. Um, if you are having a hard time and things you love are running hard out the door doing what they're not supposed to do, Jude has something for you this morning. If your life looks like that this morning and you can't put sprinkles or chocolate on it anymore, Jude has something to tell you. The first thing is to be holy. Holy means set apart. Look around. Can I tell you all something? We live in a culture that doesn't look a lot different than Egypt. It will hollow you out. Look on Instagram and your advertising and the things people try to sell you. It will hollow you out. We do not have a strong and good center anymore. Be holy. Set apart. Set yourself outside of the culture that we are experiencing. And you do that by experiencing holy things. You do that by showing up to worship on Sunday morning when everybody else is at the market. Y'all can see them, right? Be holy. Come to worship. And we'll get to this, but it says snatch those people. So I expect to see some snatching in a few minutes. Uh, anyway, holy but set apart. We come, we worship, we experience something different in our week. In this place, it's important that we are here for worship together because it is holy and set apart. There's this expectation that, that some moment in your day is holy and set apart for an encounter with God, are you spending five or ten minutes praying to God? Are you spending five or ten minutes reading your Bible every day? Be holy. God says it will hollow you out if you don't have a center. The frame of reference doesn't matter. Get to the, back to the center. Be holy 
and set apart. Love. Let love be the center. In this world, we are convinced that we have to earn love. We have to work for it. We have to achieve it. We need the right job. So our boss, all these things, that's what we think, right? And, and Jude says, no. <laughs> Experience the love of God right now. When we sing those songs about, about the house built on a foundation, about God's amazing love and mercy, it's for you. Experience it. And there's an expectation that you share that undeserved and unbound love with a world desperate for it. You should be the most loving people in the whole world if we are back to the center of the things that matter. And the last thing is mercy. That we cling to it and accept it. Mercy is, is compassion or forgiveness given towards someone to whom it is within their power to punish them. God has mercy on you. God loves you so much that, it, that he rescues you from the things that you deserve. He, he pulls you out of that hollowed out life and sends you into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the good things that will actually sustain you, right? Mercy. And there is this expectation that you share that mercy with someone else. Because if you are not giving forgiveness and compassion to the people around you, it will hollow you out. It will eat a hole in your soul. Mercy, an experience of it. Accept it, love it, receive it. Know you deserve it. God sees you and thinks you're worthy of it. And then extend that mercy to a world who doesn't know what it looks like to get compassion and love in the face of anything else. Y'all, my frame of reference for a church was, was this, with a pian, a pian, not good singers, I'll be honest. Uh, that was not my frame of reference growing up. But God changed it in sitting in a, a cemented, barbed wire in prison church, right? I saw women come there who didn't just want to experience God's love and mercy, but who believed that God expected them to share it in some way with people beyond them. So they collected plastic grocery bags and uh, knitted them together to create sleeping mats for folks who were experiencing homelessness so they didn't have to dry to sleep on the on the wet ground it would give them a little the plastic would give them a little protection from water they saved the money that they they got a dollar and 25 cents per hour and they would save the money that they got and they sent it to a school partnership these women did what they could to share God's mercy because they believed they had experienced it. And it changed my way of seeing church. I preached in front of them. I shared the message with them the third time I'd ever preached in my entire life. And a woman who'd been in there for 35 years and had been on America's Most Wanted twice, I'm not kidding, she stands up at the end of the sermon and she was like, stop. And I stopped because she'd been on America's Most Wanted for twice. So I stopped talking. And she said, she told everybody in the room, come on, let's go pray over Erica. And they all put their hands on me. And, and Bessie Dodd looked me in the face. And she said, what we experience in here, people need to experience out there. They don't even know the prisons they are living in. Promise us that you will start new churches that help free people from their prisons. And they all put their, it sends cold chills on me every time I tell the story. They all put their hands on me and they prayed for me that I would be a person who starts a new church. My 
frame of reference for pastors were old white guys with glasses. And God called me in that moment to start new churches for people who didn't even know they were in prison to experience a freedom. And then last week, I thought church only happened inside these kinds of experiences, but in four places all over South Tampa, you all gathered and you shared mercy with people who don't believe they deserve it anymore. There are homeless people right now as we speak. They are being handed a bag with underwear, socks, bug repellent, and a snack. They are hearing, you are worthy. We are extending mercy and compassion because we don't just experience it. There's an expectation that we share it, and you are doing that. We, we took laundry from folks. Well, we didn't take it. They took their laundry and they put it in the, in the washers and we gave them soap and we gave them dryer sheets and we put quarters in their things so they didn't have to worry about paying $7.75 for a load of laundry because we gave people mercy and compassion who thought they didn't deserve it anymore. We... We made clothes, we sorted clothes, gently used clothes items to be hung in a store that looks like a Target or an Old Navy so moms could come and shop for their kids for free clothes, giving them an experience of dignity and mercy and compassion because for us, you don't have to check off a laundry list of stuff. You just get to show up as who you are and we will extend the mercy and compassion to you because we've experienced it and there's an expectation that we share it. And in a world that is running as hard as it can away from mercy and compassion, this church believes God's, love, God's holy and loving mercy is, is, is ours and it is to be extended into a world desperate for it. Five or six folks gathered at, at a house and they, they filled 50-some tubs, nice tubs of teacher supplies for teachers who did not get greeted by a PTA that was excited that they were there. And they got paper towels and hand sanitizers. And y'all ordered even more stuff to go in these, these bins. And they were handed to teachers because they will offer mercy and compassion to students who've been told they're not worthy. They're not good enough. Do you see? When we get back to the center, when we get to God, when we connect with a holy and loving and merciful God, when we get that center figured out, we push out. We become a cinnamon roll not a donut. Can I get an amen? God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The center of our, our gooey, ooey, yummy, mm, 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 cinnamon roll starts in the center. It's God's good love. And it is wrapped tightly around that center and it extends. Hopefully the world's biggest cinnamon roll right here in Hyde Park Village, right? It extends to the world with mercy and goodness and love. We are not hollowed out in the center. It is strong and tight and focused on God, but it does not stop. It goes out beyond our frame of reference into a world desperate for buttery cinnamon goodness. Can I get an amen? amen. That is what we are called to do. We are called to stay tight to this God, holy. Spend time in worship. Spend time every day worshiping God. Spend time receiving and experiencing and sharing God's love. And offer that mercy beyond our frame of reference to a world desperate for it. Because every person in here knows what it's like for God to go beyond your frame of reference to meet you there and give you love and mercy and compassion. Because you are worth it. You 
are worth it. If you've not made the decision ever to accept that mercy and love for yourself, if that center feels a little hollowed out and you're ready for it to be like the center of a cinnamon roll, I want to I ask you this morning, in just a few moments we're going to pray, and I ask you to pray and ask Jesus to be that center because it always means you will be pushed out. Some of you have forgotten what it's like to connect to that center. Pray, I, when we pray in just a moment, I pray that that will be something that you do. And if that is a step that you took this morning, will you please come and speak to Chris and I during communion in just a few minutes? Let us pray over you and for you as you take this next step of faith. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much that in a world that feels like a donut, God, you give us cinnamon rolls. We are thankful, God, that you are the center and that you call us as the church to go out into the world. We thank you for those moments that were beyond our frame of reference that has us wondering about you. Maybe some of us are still living beyond that frame of reference, wondering about our future with you, God. And we thank you that you are meeting us there this morning. And that as you grow our frame of reference, the center stays strong. God, we thank you that you have done that in and through Jesus Christ. I pray for the people here this morning who've never accepted that love, mercy, and grace from a holy God before God. I pray this morning will be the morning that they, they take a step to putting you in the center of their lives. And I pray, God, you'll fill up that hallowed space with the love and redemption and salvation that you, you offer to us, God. I pray for the people who've long been disconnected from that center and who are longing to feel it, feel it again, God. I pray for them. I pray this morning will be a new start to figuring out that center. And I pray that every single person in here will be used by you, God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You will use us in this world to show your mercy and compassion to a desperate world. Thank you for using our hands and feet to do that.